0: My name is Linnea Marie, and welcome to another episode of the Tickle Jot Life podcast talking about sex. Tell me your story. And I have a great guest with me today, and I cannot wait to get into these hot topics. Um, I have Lauren with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Lauren Kaletti. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a 26 year old person living in New York, and I'm a huge fan of the work that. Uh, you're doing at extreme.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, um, today we're going to be talking about a few things. We're going to be talking about, um, bisexuality, um, healthier sex life, um, coming into our queerness and surviving, you know, sexual assault, um, that so many of us unfortunately have experienced. So, uh, you know, getting into this topic, um, we can start off at, you know, when you um, came into yourself and how you learned, you know, about yourself and your your sexuality and, and all that. Can you take us back to, to you mm-hmm. know, the awakening and the, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So the first time I remember noticing bodies, I was around 10 years old. Back in the day, my mother used to get JCPenney catalog magazine. And I remember flipping through the pages and just really being amused by the um, the bras and the panties and just so fascinated with the female anatomy and just mesmerized like by the curves and the softness. And just noticing that was what I really first remember when it came to my sexuality. And I started self-pleasuring around the age of 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, one day I was just lying on my bed and I have a very like vivid imagination and fantasy life and I just started touching down there in between my legs. Um, and I just noticed it felt so good and it was a feeling I'd never had in my entire life and I was just kind of hooked by then. Um, so (laughs) I've been a daily masturbator for a little over 10 years now and, um, When I had my first kiss, it was actually with a female. It was with, um, I was on the cheerleading team and we were dared to kiss and I kissed her and I really enjoyed it and I never really noticed you know, I only like, quote unquote, boys, or I only like, quote unquote, girls, I was kind of just attracted to everyone. Um, And that's kind of how I noticed my sexuality and came into my identity. I didn't fully identify as queer until around age 18. And um, I don't know if that's enough of an introduction, but it's been a journey since. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, in realizing that, did you have friends or any resources that you could um, learn from, explore, talk to, express yourself? Your family. Did you Did you tell anybody at that time?
1: So that's a really good question. I dated a person in 10th grade that was interested in me mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of my first experience dating a someone else that identified as a woman, but I never really brought it up to my friends until I was maybe 21 years old. I felt more comfortable speaking out about it. My family, unfortunately, it's never been a sit down. I've never had a coming out conversation because they are extremely <laughs> traditional and conservative as... I think most people in their 60s, 70s are. But everyone is fairly supportive. um, And, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm very proud of my identity.
0: Yes, wonderful. And um, so coming fast forward now, how has your journey led you into a happier, healthier sex life, um, exploring all of that?
1: Yeah, sure. So I think when it comes to sex and having a healthy sex life, it's really important to be open. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are very rigid or closed minded, or perhaps they haven't explored those areas of themselves to come into that knowing about what they like and don't like. So for me, I never yuck anyone's yum. That's a saying um, in the sex life community. And I just try to keep a explorative, adventurous, curious Uh, mindset and of course respecting my partner's boundaries what they are and aren't okay with and just seeing kind of how we can implement that and communicate that into our sex life
0: I really like that now so do you feel it is easier to talk about sex with your partners now Um, because um, like we discussed previously you know that no one teaches us really how to talk about our feelings, about sex, about anything like that, but yet, you know, they teach us how to cook and put on our shoes, and, you know, there's a whole bunch of different things that we're taught except sex, right? So, you know, learning and coming into yourself and realizing what actually a healthy sex life is for you, has that made it easier for you to talk to your partners? Like, how do you bring up the conversations? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that.
1: Yeah, I'm really happy you brought that up because it's quite interesting that we're taught everything in life, Mm -hmm. um, except for relationships and sex and things like that, mental health. We're just automatically expected to know how to have sex.
0: Right! (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's mind boggling. It sets it sets us up for failure or at least having to try and try until we quote unquote figure it out or have something we're more satisfied with. So I am very privileged in the fact that I got my master's in um, sexuality studies and gender. So that really helped me to have know kind of the textbook definition of the information and things like that and um, i am pursuing my doctorate now in clinical psychology so i'm hoping to integrate uh, the sex therapy and psychology so i have kind of a fair um like uh ground for where i know to work off of i would say in my older age um it's gotten a lot easier to Mm -hmm. express my interests, my hard nose and things like that in partnership and in relationship. But sadly, you know, I always find I'm the first one to ever bring it up. If a partner isn't bringing up protection with me, it's not talked about. If a partner isn't bringing up STIs, I'm the one that has to initiate that conversation, which I'll gladly do because I feel it is vital to have those conversations with someone you're going to have sexual interactions with.
0: Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. We talk about you know all kinds of stuff with relationships. Well, sex is like such a huge part of a yeah. relationship, you know. And um, you know what what does it mean to you, in your personal definition, that is like a happy, healthy sex life?
1: Yeah, it's so that's all relative.
0: You know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes, that is definitely um, individual for mm-hmm. each person. For me, it's about safety, yeah. feeling safe with someone, connected to someone, um, feeling comfortable and kind of at home with someone, and just being willing to have fun and playful. You know, sex is kind of something that adults do to play. We play all the time as mm-hmm. kids, but rarely we get to play as adults. So even if it's not in partnership, even if it's solo or self-pleasure practices, it's about dedicating that time to myself and knowing that I'm worth pleasure.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And I wish more people, um, you know, would realize that, that this is, you know, a, a given, you know, God given right to experience and all bodies deserve pleasure, um, you know, and it's just, you know, still, I think we are in a time where it's an amazing sexual revolution. Like there's so many pleasure products and so there's therapists mm-hmm. and educators and podcasts and books and all these things we have at our, our fingertips right now. Um, and yes, there's still a lot of shame and still very conservative outlooks. Um, but I definitely think nowadays, um, You know, it's just so important to have these conversations with our partners and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, So we also touched earlier on a little bit about survivors. And um, would you elaborate a little bit for me on, on that area of, you know, sex?
1: Yeah, kind of to piggyback off your last point, I just want to say what you spoke about is so true that sex isn't shameful, it's natural everyone has bodies. Most people in their lifetime will have sex or explore sexually. So it is so natural. So I just wanted to add that that is something to be ashamed of. Um, As far as I am a survivor of domestic violence and sexual violence, unfortunately, on more than one account. And it's been kind of such a healing process for me um, every day, kind of learning to how I can help myself and how I can heal around that area of my life. Uh, For survivors, it's very hard. And before I continue, I will give a trigger warning that I will talk about sexual assault and rape. Um, It's so hard because it's something that was used against us. Our bodies were used against us. So oftentimes we see um, survivors of assault and rape that they go to one extreme, it's either you hate sex for a very long time, and it's something you have so much guilt, and you feel dirty around, or uh, we can tend to become hypersexualized, where we don't know sexual boundaries, because our boundaries were violated. So for me, it's kind of coming to find that balance in that middle ground, again, where I can relearn a healthy sexual relationship with myself and
0: others. And, and can you... Do you have any ways that, um, you know, personally have worked for you?
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd be happy. Um, So I am a registered yoga instructor. And for me personally, psychosomatic healing has been so powerful on my own journey, uh, doing trauma informed or trauma focused yoga, where you can really just be mindful and present with yourself and learn to integrate your breath and calming and those techniques into your body to know that your body is yours. It is a safe haven for you and coming back home to yourself. That's been very, um, very incredible for me. Also, I love self-care. I think it's so important to find something that works for you. Everyone's different, but for me personally, I love meditating, Mm -hmm. I love journaling, I love going outside in nature, and just learning to be happy with myself and know that I am capable of being whole. And I think the last one for me has been healthy touch. So after my assault incidences, I would go when I felt ready and when I felt I could handle it, I would go book a massage. And of course, I would always give a disclaimer. Please find a professional that you feel safe with, Mm -hmm. whatever gender that might be whatever circumstances or environment that might be in. But for me, it was extraordinary to kind of um, challenge myself to be in the hands of another person and feel safe and in control again, while receiving, you know, the benefits of massage and feeling good and learning that I can be touched by someone else and it doesn't have to be dangerous.
0: I absolutely, you know, that is amazing. And I love that. that That is a great, you know, tip and way for like you said, you to control that environment a little bit, you know what I mean? Especially like you said, if you trust them and that whole experience. Um, yes. And that can definitely help, um, you know, someone to get used to that, you know, positive or wanted touch again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, healing is never linear. So there's no. times mm-hmm. where, you know, even me as a survivor, I will fall back into, um, you know, more of a defensive, uncomfortable situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, like you said, being like mindful in the moment and, um, you know, really allowing yourself to, you know, like those positive, positive affirmations, you know, you tell yourself, right. You know, I tell myself, um, because yeah, it, it can, you know, we can slip back into, um, you know, uh, not so positive, you know, mind frame of, you know, something that happened to us for sure. Um, So in your journey, do you, what do you foresee for yourself, you know, um, in the future? Are you currently dating? What do you, you know, um, sometimes we don't even know, you know, necessarily, but do you see like anything like that in your future?
1: Yeah, I also want to add that um, every emotion after sexual violence is so normal. It's normal to feel sad. It's normal to feel angry. It's normal to feel great some days and not great others. Everyone's journey is very different and if you don't feel comfortable um, getting a massage that is perfectly fine don't push yourself too hard you can take a bath or take Mm -hmm. a shower or um, engage in solo sex when that feels okay for you i'm just knowing that it's in your control and having healthy outlets to kind of uh, therapeutic cathartic release whether that's a martial arts class or gym or anything like that Um, as far as present day i am in a relationship and I think it is so crucial, um, whether you're a survivor or not, to find a partner that you feel that you trust, that you can communicate, you know, I'm having a really hard day, I'm struggling today, and they're going to be patient with you and empathic. And it's a shared mutual respect and compassion. I feel like that is, that is very necessary when relearning to build that trust again and that safety.
0: And I, I agree. Having a partner that is, um, like you said, empathic and, you know, mindful of what's going on is really important. Um, mm-hmm. I, will so, I will say, you know, since a lot of us have not had, um, you know, healthy or positive sex education or mm-hmm. even been around uh, positive relationships and healthy relationships. So that can be kind of hard to find a partner it's necessary yes, on yeah. that level. So do you have any ways or um, techniques or anything that you did to, you know, help your partner get a better understanding for you and your situation, um, you mm-hmm.
1: know? Yeah. Um, as someone that's been in very abusive relationships their whole life, I can attest to that. Unfortunately, especially if we have, um, we don't feel we're deserving or worthy because of trauma, we can unfortunately, um, attract people into our lives that confirm it. So for me, it's, it's been kind of about getting into my subconscious and, um, unlearning those conditioned beliefs about myself that aren't serving me anymore. So in my present relationship, um, I think psychoeducation is really important. If you have, um, for example, I have post-traumatic stress disorder, I would send him uh, videos or articles about, you know, dating someone with post-traumatic stress disorder to kind of better understand where I'm coming from so that he doesn't take my trauma responses as personal. Um, also, I'm a huge fan of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love therapy. I look forward to counseling every single week. Um, it's, it's so healing. And we have been in couples therapy, I think three months into we started dating. I was like, you know i would really like to go to couples therapy together sort of as a preventative measure so we can open the lines of communication and that's been extraordinarily helpful as well
0: yes therapy i i, I love that you are going to couple therapy because For the life of me, I talk to so many people and they're like therapy, you know, and they like Mm -hmm. turn their nose up to it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. people don't understand how much a third party, especially a trained third party, not just a friend that's going to give you (laughs) other crappy, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, responses and things to do. But someone that actually is trained to help uh, navigate because. You know, um, conflicts are going to arise, disagreements, um, even uncomfortability. You know, your partner might not mean to make you uncomfortable or say something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but having a third person say, like, okay, this is why, and this is, you know, what you can do to help that and everything, I think that is absolutely amazing. You know, couples therapy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, that can strengthen, you know, our relationships really, you know, I can help people figure it out, especially um, because we all have baggage and things that we carry along with us, regardless of how, um, you know, regardless of our upbringing, there's just always stuff that we carry with us, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, um, coming out bisexual or queer, your partner currently is
1: he identifies as a
0: straight male. Okay, so coming out as queer and bisexual, how how is uh, their response to that?
1: Yeah, so I always try to give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> understanding that when you come into a relationship, you're two completely separate individuals with two completely separate histories and past and upbringings. So, you know, he was supportive. I think he kind of didn't understand. He had a lot of the... Um, preconceived notions or misconceptions that you're either one or the other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of had to be his teacher and explain like sexuality is such a spectrum and, and gender is a spectrum and and whatever you identify as is perfectly fine. You know, just because I identify as a certain way doesn't mean I expect other people to be the same. It's kind of coming back to that non-judgment and open-mindedness. So it was kind of just having to teach him where I was coming from. I think a lot of times if we're rigid in our beliefs, it could be hard if we're stubborn and things like that. But I had to explain, like, listen, this is who I am, this is how I am, and I'm not I'm not straight because I'm dating a man. I think bisexuality has a lot of myths around it, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. some people, if they you know, want to go that route, that's fine for them. But for me, personally, I'm queer, even though I'm in a relationship with a cis man.
0: I, yes, 100%. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, come out to their partner as queer, bisexual. And I swear to you, um, you know, like a cis heterosexual man is like, threesomes, oh my god, Mm -hmm. I get to have sex with other women, you know what I mean? And there's such, Mm -hmm. like you said, myths and all these like, just, yeah. uh, you know, preconceived notions of like what that is and what that entails. And, mm-hmm. you know, it it can get rough, you know, especially if that's, you know, how your partner takes it too.
1: Yeah, I've definitely experienced that in the past whenever. And, you know, I stopped telling my, um, my male partners that I was bisexual because a lot of them would have that response. When can we have a threesome? And it was really hurtful to me. Um, have that bias against people that are bisexual. Um, I think it was the opposite for me in this relationship. He was more threatened by it and, um, just insecure that I was going to leave him for another person. And, you know, I think all responses are normal. However, we have to notice how can we be kinder and more accepting of people's identities just because it doesn't align with our own.
0: True. And I think, you know, Like you said, there's a lot of conversations and learning. And uh, I love that you said, you know, you kind of had to teach, you know, your partner certain things. I know I've for sure had to teach my partner a lot of things Um, because, again, no one is taught any of this. And even Mm -hmm. if people do get that sex education, what is it? STIs, don't do it, um, abstinence, pregnancy, birth control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So much is missed in the feelings and navigational things and, um, you know, spectrums and all of that. So I definitely think that, you know, having these conversations with your partner and you you know, you know, sometimes we do have to be that educator, not only, you know, um, as a day job, but even in real life, even our friends, um, you know, because now, um, you know, they, they, they have questions too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And has, have any of your friends or family, you know, reached out to you and had questions now that, you know, uh, you've made um, all this known and you, you know, now is there a comfortability level where you know what I can relate to you? You know what I mean? Is there now that openness?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. With um, my friends and some of my family members, it's just kind of like, it's not stigmatized. There isn't any stereotype attached to it. It just kind of comes up in conversation like you're talking about the weather, which is really nice. And I would like to add to that, that if someone is judgmental or mm-hmm. criticizes cool. you or doesn't accept you and puts you down or wants you to change your identity just because it makes them feel some type of way, then that person probably doesn't deserve to be in your life if they don't have you know, empathy for you and support you, because we all deserve to feel good about who we are.
0: Oh, I I agree with that a million percent. You know, it's one thing to not understand and not maybe know, but then it's another thing, I think, to be willfully ignorant and judgmental, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, talking to people, and having a few conversations and then if they still don't get it, I, I, I definitely agree with you that they do you know not not need to be in your life because clearly it's not going to be beneficial or even like mentally positive and you know what I mean? So yeah. is there, do you think, a time where, you know, if someone's not understanding, you just walk away, or how do you how would you navigate something like that?
1: Sure, so I'll give a a great example. Um, I did date someone who was very rejecting of my queer identity. Um, I actually have a pride tattoo on my arm that was really special to me to get and he asked that I remove it. Um, He said- He said, I wasn't allowed to wear rainbow colors when we were together. Um, If we ever lived together, there would be no pride flags and things like that. And that was really hurtful to me. As you said, it was very ignorant and borderline like verbally abusive. So I think if there's ever an instance of emotional abuse that you, I can't tell you to walk away, but know that you deserve more than someone that's going to put you down and make you feel bad about yourself. Um, On the other side, have the conversation with them. Um, If you're dating someone new or a friend or whoever... The hard conversations are generally the ones that we need to have the most important. They are the hardest though. And I would just see how the person responds. Sometimes people are in shock or they don't know any better. Um, I like to think when we know better, we do better um, and give people the benefit of the doubt. But if it comes back to making you feel bad and shame about yourself and the person isn't willing to budge, then I would reevaluate the situation.
0: Yes, totally. I I agree. And like, like we said earlier, there's so many resources now and books. And I think, you know, I think that people have like a choice to be ignorant or a choice, you know, to think a certain way when, you know, to me, if, if I'm presented with new information or something like that, then that has to tweak something in me. You know what I mean? I have to think about that. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the the people that won't budge on you know certain things definitely uh, you're right don't you know don't deserve to be in your life for sure so, you know mm-hmm. life is already hard as it is with everything going on with you know from mm-hmm. school to work to I mean kids to family you know that a partner definitely should not um, you know add to to any of that, you know, negativity. I mean, a partner to me, you know, should be your teammate. And yeah, you grow and relationships aren't, you know, perfect overnight or anything like that. So it definitely does take some, uh, you know, conversations and understanding and uh, growth for sure. Um, Do you have anything else you would like to um, talk about, recommend Um, Mm -hmm. any tips or anything?
1: I just want to end by saying that something I've learned, which is I'm still learning throughout the years, is never make yourself smaller, never shrink yourself to fit inside someone else's mold. Don't change yourself to make someone else comfortable. Um, Of course, there's always room for development and growing and being our best selves. But if someone wants you to fundamentally change who you are because it makes them insecure, then just know that you have the option to walk away and you are worth so much more than that.
0: Yes, and I absolutely love that. Um, do you have um, any way, you know, any of our listeners, if they have any questions or can relate or anything like that? you have anything, um, social media, email, anything like that mm-hmm. that you want to give?
1: Yeah, 100%. I actually have my own podcast called The Sex Positive Podcast. Yay! I would love to have you on one day. Oh, for um, sure. I would love to collab. So you can find me on there on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I also have Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is Warren M. Coletti. That's my personal And my podcast page is sex positive podcast on Instagram.
0: Wonderful. Well, I know I will be checking that out for sure. (laughs) And um, I want to thank everyone for listening and tuning in. This was a great conversation. We learned a lot and talked about a lot of great healing uh, mechanisms, a lot of, um, you know, self positive things in in ways we can heal ourselves. Um, So yes, if you have any questions, please um, don't hesitate to drop it in the comment section. Uh, Please uh, don't forget to like and follow uh, Tickle.life and uh, the podcast Talking About Sex, Tell Me Your Story. Thank you so much for being on this episode. And um, I can't wait to talk to you again.